Good morning, family. It's fantastic to just be with you this morning. I trust everybody's really doing well. And as Debbie has said, we're so excited about so many things happening all over the place. We, yesterday we had our ministry training and we had over 230-something people come. And everywhere we're just seeing just you getting involved more and more. And so I think you should give yourselves a round of applause for just, uh, just being part of and uh, even on Sundays, uh, I don't know how many of you have just felt even this morning, it gets right, really loud in here at the moment, but can I tell you, that's not what comes from stage mainly, that's what comes from you. You are actually so loud at the moment, so that's wonderful, hey? isn't that great? So there's a real sound in the spirit that is being released in this time, in this community, and we say, more Lord. Amen? Is it okay if it gets a little bit louder even? It's, you know... Because the sound from the stage we can control, but your sound we really can't control all that much. So just go for it. We're busy with our series entitled Love Revolution. And uh, I want to do the third part this morning of, of 1 John 4. And uh, so we're going to read from 1 John 4 from verse 13 to verse 21 together this morning. And uh, the title of today's message is Know and Be Known. Know and Be Known. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do first section of a couple of verses of, of 1 John 4. Uh, and in that space, what I'll, I want to lay a foundation of something that is true for us about the love of God. And then in the second and third section, I want to apply that in the sense of if this is true in our foundation, it is growingly manifest in our lives in these two areas. So just so that you can stay with me a little bit this morning. I am... Um, so we're going to read 1 John 4 verse 13 just now, but to sort of set it up, I, I want to talk a little bit about our desire to know things. As human beings, it's part of who we are. We want to know things. We, some of us are perhaps a bit more inquisitive than others, but we generally all would like to know things. We particularly don't like it if we don't know things. How many of you have caught yourself like I do all the time? When somebody says, oh, you know so-and-so, or do you know this? And you go, yes, but you actually have no clue. <laughs> I don't know why I do it, but I, I do it from time to time. And, and even this past week, I had a bit of ear uh, infection, so my ear, one ear was plugged, and, which meant when I was in certain meetings, I couldn't hear anything anybody was saying. But I still sat there and smiled and talked along <laughs> and just hoped that I was smiling in the right places. Because we, we don't like to not be in the know. Knowing is actually a survival mechanism for us. To know things means that when we know something, we have greater control over it. We don't like it when we don't know something about something. When we don't know how something works, it, it feels like it possibly can threaten us. It feels like we, we, we can be, be anxious about it. But when we know something and we know how it works, we feel a lot more comfortable. I mean, we've often been in that space in your life, I'm sure, like, like we have, where, where you go, man, just tell me. I'd rather know, even if it's bad, than not know and wonder. Because knowing tells us we can do something about it. But do you know that there's a deeper need in us than just to know something? to know about things or to know how things work or understand things. And that deeper need is the need to be known, to be known. We all want to be known. And in fact, I think more anxiety in the human species is related to the fact that we may not feel like we are known. Every one of us. Because this is what it works in our minds evidently. If somebody knows me, it is possible that they can love me. If they don't know me, they can't love me. So I want to be known. We live in the day and age of social media, where we have the privilege to be known by more people than any other people that lived before us. We can share on social media. We can engage with people. And right now, you know, I, I was, saw this morning as I was driving over, I was watching our YouTube and enjoying the worship, and, and somebody from India it popped up on the screen and asked, where is this church? And, and it's, it's wonderful. I mean, that they can now, and somebody else answered Pretoria, South Africa, so I think they're on their way. They're going to join us for the evening service. But isn't it wonderful that that through social media, we can now be known in different places. And we all do it. We, we want to be known. 
What we do, however, on our social media platforms is we carefully curate our image. We, we sort of you know, put a clever quote on that makes me look clever. Or a funny little clip that, that makes me look like I've got a sense of humor. Or, or we put, you know, when I'm with some nice people that, that it looks like I've got really good friends. Or when I'm in a beautiful place that, you know, and we curate our, our social media image. We don't only just do that on social media. We do that in all of life. We, we manage how people feel about us and think about us. So that when they get to know us, that they can get to know how nice we are. Because then they can possibly love us. We all want to be loved. We all want to be known so that we can be loved. In fact, in the, in the movie, uh, a, a movie of the 80s, the, the insider that Christopher Plummer played a character by the name of Mike Wallace. And in this movie, he said the following statement. He said, fame has a 15-minute half-life. Infamy, infamy lasts a little longer. I think somebody else took that saying to mean that, to say it like this, that, that fame may be for a short while, but infamy lasts for a lifetime. I mean, we want to be known. And today, even that people will, will go on place on things like programs like reality television and make complete fools of themselves, but at least they're known. Because if I'm known, I can be loved. And the more people that can know me, the more love I potentially can receive. Because people that don't know me can't love me, so I need to be, have more people know me so that I can have more people love me. And that's a basic human need. We want to be known. Our challenge is that it doesn't just suffice that people know you or know of you. We want to know that they know us. Ultimately, we find our security in, our, in being known when we feel that people know me really, know who I really am. So you find that, for instance, that famous people, whether they're actors or sports stars or whatever, will have lots of people that know them. And I mean people that follow them, that follow everything they do and say, but those people will understand if they've grown up with it a little bit and more mature that those people may know of them, but today they can like them, tomorrow they dislike them, depending on some performance or something they did. But you really can't tie your self-worth to that. Where we find far more of our sense of being loved by people that know us is in our primary relationships with the people that really know us. I mean, it's fantastic for, for me to be, have been married now for 28, 29, somewhere. Somebody work out, 28. This is our 28 years of marriage. Don't worry, Natasha, is, she wouldn't know if you asked her, so I'm, I normally get it right. 92, so 28 years. And I can honestly say that Natasha knows me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. She's seen it. And, the, and it's been a value in our marriage to be honest, to be open, to have no secrets with each other. And what that has led to is that I have a sense of security in my life that she not only knows me, but she loves me. Despite what she knows about me, she loves me. Now, it's very easy for me to love her. There's no despite in that sentence. But from her towards me, you know, she loves me, but she knows me. And how much strength and courage it gives me in life to know that there are people that know me, that know me. I want to tell you the good news of the gospel. God knows you. We sang it this morning in many different ways. In one song we sang, he searched me and he knows me. God knows you. John writes in John 1 John 4 verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love, love uh, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Here he says to us that the Spirit of God 
lives within us. God, by His Spirit, knows you. He knows every thought you have, every motivation, every intent, every action, everything about you He knows. There's nothing that He does not know. God knows you better than you know yourself because when we think of ourselves, we do it through all sorts of filters and, 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 and things. We overestimate or underestimate ourselves. We overvalue or we undervalue ourselves. But God knows you. The scripture says he has numbered the hairs on your head. He, he knows you. Now if I say that to you today, and if you really take that, if you, if you can feel God knows you, how does that make you feel? How does it make you feel that there's somebody that knows everything about you? That knows that when you gave that gift to somebody and it, you, you looked like you were being so generous, you were actually giving it to them because you were expecting and hoping to get something back from them. How does it make you feel that, that, that when you were so kind to that person and you spoke to them so gently and nicely that actually inside you were really frustrated and angry with them and you actually had other thoughts going on in your mind? How does it make you feel that when you look at your most saintly, God knows what's really going on in your mind? How does that make you feel? It can really feel a bit threatening, can't it? I mean, we all want to put our best foot forward. We all, we all would like everybody to think that we are actually really good and nice people. But the reality is we all have that spaces in our heart where we hide stuff. Like, like we have in our house, we have a, a room that is called, the, the, we call it our, our washing room, our laundry room. It's actually an old small bathroom that we converted and we made a, a place where the, because you've got four sons, man, there's lots of clothes that comes in and out of that room. And can I promise you, that room is upstairs and behind closed doors always. When people come and visit us, they cannot see the laundry room because they will have a completely different view of us. They will not respect us. They will not think we've got anything good to contribute to society if they see our laundry room. It is always a mess. How many of you have rooms like that? Not only in your house, but in your heart. Oh, Aina. Ish. What did Herman say the other day? Good old South African. Sure. Sure. We all have those rooms in our hearts. Where we, we've got the front room, we've got the, the nice, you know, the pastor's lounge. <laughs> the children don't allowed to play in, play in there. You know, if you come from Afrikaans, so it's all perfect and clean. We've all got the, the front areas that are all nice. But we've also all got those little rooms or those corners in our, in our lives where, we, where the stuff gets piled up. And not only do we keep people out of that, but we also actually, what we do is we try and keep God out of that. Because, you know, I still want to have a, some sense of privacy. I still want to have some sense of control over the things in my life. So, so there's things that I say, Lord, you know, I love you and welcome in my life, but let's just make an agreement with one another here. If you love me, then you will not go into that room. How many of you know the only room really God is interested in is that room? <laughs> he says, until you've given me that room, you've not given me anything. Because that's the room I want. He says, because I want you to know that I know you. And not only do I know you, but I love you. I know you and I love you. I know all your dirty stuff. I know all your secrets. I know all your problems. And I love you. When you come before the Lord and you say, Lord, here I am, He sees everything. And until we recognize and receive that in our lives and we begin to feel comfortable with the fact that God knows us, we will not change in those areas because we will always keep them to ourselves. You see, this is what we typically do. We fail in some way, we sin, and we feel terrible. And so we do what Adam and Eve did, you know, we hide somewhere under a bush, and we cover up. 
until we feel like we've covered it up enough and, and we've dealt with it and we've now rectified the problem and, and, and about two weeks later we, we come to the Lord and we say, hello Lord. It's like he's forgotten or he doesn't know that we did that because we're trying to smooth it over and cover it over. And when we do that, all we are showing God is that we don't really know that he loves us. That his love for us has not really conquered into that area of our lives because there's nothing about you that God does not know and there's nothing about you that his love does not address and go into. I have really stuff in my life that, that man, I, I don't want anybody to you know, necessarily be so aware of. Just little things, you know, that we, we private, personal people. But when it comes to the Lord, I'm so glad that when I've said something but off color or when I've you know, done something or thought something, I don't have to go fix it first and then come and, <laughs> Lord, I've, don't worry, I got it covered. I can come to the Lord right there. And I think until we've learned to come at our most vulnerable moments to the Lord, we, we will not be transformed by His love because we keep things. He loves you. And he knows you. He sees you inside and out. And through the cross of Christ, he says, I want you to know that I love you. A 17th century minister wrote to a friend of his about something that was happening in his prayer life. And he was experiencing in his prayer life a particular time where the presence of God was so real to him in his prayer life. And this is what he wrote. He said, almost every week, a measure of his great love comes down upon my heart. He has unlocked every compartment of my being and filled and flooded them all with the light of his radiant presence. The inner spot has been touched and the flinting of my heart has been melted in the presence of, divine, of love divine, all loves excelling. The inner spot has been touched and the flintiness of my heart has been melted in the presence of love divine. Have you ever had a meal and after you've eaten the meal you go, wow, that hit the spot. Do you know we need prayer times? Times in God's presence where we go, wow, that really hit the spot. Because we all have spots in our lives, places that are hidden places where the light has not quite shone, where we've not dared open the door and said, Lord, come into that place because we're afraid that if God sees it and if we recognize it, that he's going to reject us. But this minister said that when the love of God shines upon my life, the flintiness, the, the deadness, the hardness, the huskiness of those places in my heart becomes broken open. And instead of being rejected, God steps into that place and says, I love you. And it's when his love becomes real to me that it begins to change me and revolutionize my life. But if we live keeping God at a distance, there'll always be these spots. It's fantastic that when we're in a service like this morning, or perhaps in a personal prayer time or, or in a small group with friends or wherever, that there can be those moments where the light of God come and shine in places that we didn't even know were places of darkness. Because He loves us. He pursues us with His love. He finds those dark spots and He comes and says, let me in so that my love can change that reality in your life. So do you know that you are known, that there's nothing about you that is not known by God, and that He loves you. He loves you. If that is true in our lives, then there are two manifestations or two realities that will be a growing part of our lives. The first one is, we will begin to grow in a life without fear. And that's what 1 John 4, verse 17 to 19, where he says, This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. You see, this is the truth. You cannot love something or somebody and fear them at the same time. It's not possible. I'm not talking about respecting, honoring, 
valuing, holding in high regard, putting in a position of authority. I'm talking about fearing. If you say you love God, but you fear Him at the same time, you do not understand His love yet. Because when we know that God knows us and He loves us, and He showed His love to us, by sending his son to die on a cross. And remember last week I spoke about, if you didn't see last week's message, please go and watch. But last week we spoke about how on the cross, judgment and mercy came together. My sin, my brokenness, my ugliness, the dark spots within me deserve judgment. It's right that I feel shame about those things. It's right that those things are not things that I want to let the whole world know. But when I understand that those things have been nailed to the cross with Christ and have been taken care of and I have no longer reason to be ashamed of them because of the mercy of God. I understand that anything that becomes open to God, any sin that is revealed, God has already forgiven that sin and if I receive that forgiveness, there's no judgment that I have to fear. As a believer... We are walking our lives, the scripture says here, but there is, a, we, in this world we are like Jesus. We are living under the blood of Christ. That is the sign, the mark on us that our sin has already been paid for. The law and the requirements of judgment has been met. There is no further judgment. Jesus said, it is finished. My sin has been judged. I fear not my father. I can love him with all of my heart. So when sin gets revealed in my life, whether it's a dear person, a brother or sister that comes and speaks to me, or whether it's the word of God or the spirit of God, however it becomes known to me that there's something in my life that's not right, that is not good, I don't have to feel insecure and afraid and try and cover it up because I'm so scared that if, if it's seen, I'm gonna be judged. I can say, no, no. It's true. Thank you for showing me that. No, that's not how we first respond in our humanity. But if we get past our humanity, we go, thank you for making me aware of that so that I can bring that to the cross and recognize that I've been forgiven and can be set free from that in my life by letting God love me. Despite this, He loves me. And I can't change that behavior no matter how I try. The only thing that transforms me is the power of the Spirit that manifests the truth of the love of God in my life. We all have stuff. We don't have to be bound to those things by keeping them secret. We can be, Lord, you love me and you accept me. So that positions me so well to deal with my sin and to be set free from my sin. I don't have to fear. And if you don't fear God's judgment, you don't have to fear anybody else's judgment because nobody else's judgment is perfect. Only God's judgment is perfect. If he judges me, I deserve it. But if he says he's not going to judge me, he has already judged my sin, then. And then not only in that way does fear, do I growingly become Rid of, or grow to get rid of fear in my life and live a life without fear in terms of my relationship with God. But even my relationship with people changes. Because if I know that I'm known by God and loved by God, I'm not so threatened by other people and that they can know me or me knowing them. Because not only do I know God knows me, but I know God knows them. So I'm not so afraid. My fear levels significantly decrease in terms of my relationships and everything else in this world. Because God is the center of my life. He's my everything. Tim Keller puts it like this. He says this. He says, my fears are directly proportional to the vulnerability of the things that are my greatest joy. Read that again. My fears are directly proportional to the vulnerability of the things that are my greatest joys. What he's saying is that if the thing in your life that is the most valuable to you, that is the most important to you, that brings you the greatest joy, whether it, you have it or you think it's going to give you the greatest joy, is something like money, for instance. 
then you will be vulnerable. Because money is not stable. Money comes and goes. Today you can have money, tomorrow you can have none. But if you think that's the thing that I need in my life, if I have that, then I will have joy, then you are in a vulnerable place. If your hope is in something, if your hope is in relationships with people, ultimately saying, well, if so-and-so can only love me, if so-and-so can only accept me, or if this group of people can just you know, learn to, to make space for me, if you do that, then you are vulnerable because people are fickle and people are not perfect. You're vulnerable. If your hope for joy is in our parliament, then you are really vulnerable at the moment after the State of the Nation address and what took place. But he says this, he carries on. If the thing that is my greatest joy is God, I will live without fear. Because, yeah, come on, that's fantastic. May that truth. Because God is the only yesterday, today, and forever the same. God is the only one that made a covenant with us that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is the only one that loves us enough that you can, you can stand on that love. It is a rock under your feet and you can say anything else that can happen may concern me. It may even cause fear to arise in my life, but nothing can take that away from me. I stand. My greatest joy is in the love of God. And that's why this, this Christian thing is, if I have God, I have everything. If I don't have God, I have nothing. You can take everything away from me. All my money, everything, my relationships, my, my, my name, my stature, my, my respect, everything away from me. But if I have God, I have lost almost nothing. Because I have Him. But if I don't have God, you can give me everything else. And I have nothing. Because it's the only place that you can put that level of hope and security in. And that's why fear diminishes for the person whose life is built on the foundation of knowing God and knowing that He knows you. The second thing is a person's life who's built on this deep sense of being known by God and knowing God is a life that grows in its experience of community. It grows in that it becomes a life without fear and it grows in that it becomes a life about community. You see, because when I know that I'm known by God and loved by God, I'm secure. Then not only does other people not threaten me because they're not in competition with me, or even their failings and their sin, I understand. Because I know that they are also growing and understanding that God loves them. And it doesn't change the fact that I'm loved by God. Even when they challenge me, when they reveal to me the things in my life that is not good about me, that doesn't threaten me so much because that helps me. Because I'm standing on a security of the knowledge of the love of God. So when I stand on that fact that I know God and I know He knows me. I stand on a secure place that helps me to reach out to others and build relationships. And to actually move into a space where I begin to recognize that I must build community. So often in our world at the moment, we treat community as something that will be so nice to have, but it's something others have to do for us. That's not the biblical way. The biblical way is what we will read now in John. Because of the reality of the love of God, I cannot help but be in community with others. And I make it something that I do. Let's read verse 20 to 21 of 1 John 4. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Not should also love their brother and sister. Must. 
He's not saying that if you want to love God, then learn to love people. And the more you love people, the more you'll also love God. No, that's what he's saying. He's saying if you love God, if you've experienced getting to know God and the fact that he knows you, then the natural outflow of that in your life will be that you learn and grow in your love for people. If you are not growing and for your love for people, then you've got to go back and say, Lord, there's areas of my life where I'm not allowing you to love me. Because then either I'm afraid of what people may get to know about me, so I'm keeping them at a distance, or I'm afraid of what I'm going to get to know about them, so I'm keeping them at a distance. But in the body of Christ, in the community, in Christian community, we have to step over those things to learn to love each other. Now, sometimes when you ask Christian people, do you love the people in your church? They'll say yes. And what they mean when they say yes is because I don't speak bad about them. I don't complain. I don't bother anybody. And they'll tell you all the things they don't do. How many of you know that what Jesus said in the golden rule was not do, do, do not do unto others what you don't want them to do unto you? He said, what do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Love is not a feeling. It's not first of all just a, uh, it's, it's how I do not treat people. It is how I willfully with action treat people is love. God didn't just say, oh, I love you. Okay? No, I love you. I see you're struggling, but I love you. For God so loved the world that he took an action and he sent He's one and only son. If you say, yeah, that's, praise the Lord. If you say, I love the community of the saints, it is proper for somebody to ask you, how? I'm sorry to say that. But that's what the scripture teaches us. Not only do you and I need community because we do not grow in our sense of knowing God and being known with, by God without community, but the world needs us to have community. Because Jesus said, by your love for one another, they will know that you are my disciple. It is our greatest tool of proclamation of the kingdom of God is our sense of community. If we can't like one another and get along with each other, what hope does the rest of the world have? If we can't rise above, if we can't step over the obstacles and the challenges and learn to love each other, then what does the hope does the world have? It's fantastic. Over the years that I've been in this congregation, in this church, in the South Church, it would be true in both churches, that over years I would have had heard people say, wow, this church has changed my life. Coming to this church has has done so much for me, it has really changed my life. And it's fantastic when somebody says that, it's wonderful. I have however recognized over time that sometimes what they mean is, this church has made me feel better about my life. It's wonderful to come to a service like this on a Sunday and to experience just the moving of the Spirit of God during our time of worship to have friendly people welcome you, to have nice chairs to sit on and to be in a comfortable, good environment. It's wonderful. It feels so, I mean, it can feel a lot better than what you feel like in the rest of the week in the world out there. And perhaps you've had a tough time and perhaps people have been nasty to you and you come to church and you just go, oh, it's so nice. It just, I just feel better. It's wonderful to come to church and hear the best preaching you'll ever hear anywhere you go. When, uh, when Letzola or Neil preaches, that's what I mean, or, or somebody else. It's fantastic. It's, it's great, I know. It, it, but there's a difference between coming to a church and being part of a community. Coming to a church can do that. It can really be helpful, and that's great. And I don't want to knock that and say, if that's where you are, fantastic, then do that. But I think we want to move forward because in my experience, what I've seen over the years is the people who say the church has really changed my life and I can say it's true. I've seen it happen. They are a different person. Those people generally, it is because of community that their lives have changed. 
Because somehow they got plugged in. Somehow they got connected to other people. Somehow they, they, they took the bold step, the risky step of saying, I want to know and be known. And I want others to know me. I, I want to not just come and taste and go off. I want to be immersed. I mean, I, I can testify so much of that. I mean, I, we started in our first, those days was called cell group. When I was like 11 years old, I used to go in my pajamas with my mom and do homework. But that's where we started. I think of my time with the year of your life. It was an amazing time. But can I tell you what changed my life in the year of your life? More than the teachings I received was the people I got to live with. And we lived in homes together. They irritated me to no end sometimes. But can I tell you, those were the things that caused some of the greatest transformations in my life. It revealed my own dark spots to me so often. And so on throughout the years. Every place till today where I experience, where I can be a real person with real people and we share about communion and community and we love each other and we walk with each other through the difficult times. Those are the things that transforms. And I just want to say to you, it's fantastic. If you come to church here and you enjoy it, and, and you just want to come in and out, I'm not going to bother you. None of us are going to bother you. We're not going to hound you and say, you're not welcome unless you get more involved. Really, that's up to you. So no judgment, no nothing about that. We're going to accept you, be friendly with you, as much as you want to make use of this community, that's up to you. I just want to say to you, I want to invite you into more for your sake and for our sake. So all I can do, we can do is just invite you. When we give you a little coffee cup, it's just a way to try and be invitational, to say, come and connect with us. Not because we want to suck you in. Not because we like, mm -hmm, that's, that's money, baby. Come on, let's get that person so we can get their money. Or not because we, ooh, that person, we're going to get them to work for us or something. Or, ooh, come and be part of our church so we can feel good about ourselves. No. All we can do is open up and say, this is a community of people that are far from perfect. It's not a perfect community. But it's a community of people that really want to grow as followers of Jesus. And we can only do that together. And we really want the world to know that Jesus loves them. And we can only do that together. Guys, will you cue up the clip that, I, that we're going to show at this point? So I want to invite you. And I really hear my heart. There's no force. There's no condemnation. But I would be a bad pastor if I don't say, come. As you want to. Perhaps you knew, and it's scary, and you look at these people and you say, ooh, there's some odd people. I can introduce you to some odd people in this congregation. There's many of us that are very odd. I'm odd, man. And perhaps you go, I don't know if I can trust them, and I don't know if I want anybody to know me. That's fine. That's normal. That's okay. You know, take your time. I just want to say to you, if you want to move forward at some point, you're going to have to find a way to build community with people. And grow in relationships. And that's up to you. None of us, it's not for me to decide how and when for you. Like I say, all we do is we invite. But I just want to say to you, this is what John says to us. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Jesus gave the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two are one command. They cannot be separated. They, it's a package deal. Won't you let's watch a little video clip? Thank you, guys.
as a community, we have many different ways that we do life together. And there's many options that are open to you that you can use to step in. And, and as it's comfortable for you and as you feel secure, that you can step into community. We have volunteer opportunities, which is a great way to work alongside other people and, and just get to know community. We have men's discipleship. We have ladies' discipleship. We have outreaches that go out. We have ministry teams. We have so many different things, that courses that we present that you can be part of and, and that you can even volunteer in. There's so many different opportunities open and available to all shapes and sizes and age groups of people. One of our key ways, one of our most important ways that we open up to people and invite people into is our small groups that happen during the week. These groups are, are just people in our community that spend time with each other on a weekly or regular basis and where they come and they share the word of God, they, they share the love of God for each other, they have meals together and they just spend time together to be able to have a sense of community because it's really difficult to have a sense of community here. We can have some sense of community, but the real richness and depth of community happens in those smaller spaces. So we want to invite you today to, to join us and make use of this option and opportunity for you. Again, nobody's going to hound you, nobody's going to phone you and say, unless you're a part of a small group, you can't belong to the church or anything like that. We don't do that. We've never done that and we're not going to do that but we want to keep on inviting. We've heard feedback from you that, that some of the people in the congregation have said, we, we just feel like we don't understand what it's about or how to get part of it, so we want to help this morning. I'm gonna, we're gonna show you another quick little video clip which is some testimonies of people in our community that are part of these groups and that share and what this means to them. So we're gonna show that clip quickly. Thank you guys, thanks. I'm getting a thumbs up. So today we're doing a little bit of a, just a relaunch, freshening up of what we used to call our life groups. And because our mission uh, value statement of community on a mission, we have changed it now to community groups. So can you see community groups? And um, I, we've got our, our leaders, so many of them are here. If you were what we used to call a life group leader, and from now on we're going to call you a community group leader, and you're going to get mixed up for a period, that's okay. We'll just make you pay a five rand fee, fee every time you get it wrong. That's okay. It's, it's not a different, it's just the life groups that are becoming what we call community groups, 
and just we want to grow in this and, and refresh it a little bit. So if you're a life group leader, now a community group leader, won't you stand here if you're in our midst already today? And we just want to appreciate you and just say thank you for your years of service already that you have given and just all over the place. We so value you. And thank you for joining us on the next leg and being part of us on the next leg as we go and continue with our community groups. So we really appreciate. We, our community groups are so varied in the different ways they cater for people and different types of people that you get and different groupings. So therefore you'll see when the, when the service ends, there's, gonna, there's these banners that you'll see that, like on the screen there. And then it just talks about all the different types of, of groups we have that are for people in different times in their life and different stations that they may find themselves in their lives. We have young adults, which you know, comes out of the young adult service also. Couples without children, parents of children from babies to matric, school-going children or little ones, empty nesters, seniors, ladies' groups, men's groups. There are a variety of groups, and if there's something different that you want to start, then talk with us and we can do that. But we really want to create opportunities for people that are experiencing different times in their lives that they can be part of and with people that can help and support them, not only in terms of you know, caring for them, but also supporting them on their front line and their mission and that which God has called them to do as part of their whole life discipleship and whole life worship. So today, all we want to do as we, as we come to an end in the service, and then I'm going to pray, is just give you an opportunity because of the feedback we've got that some people just feel, how do we do this, that you can actually do a sign up if you want to this morning and connect to any of our life groups. So there's many different ways. If you're a member, then you should have gotten an email this week that has a link on it where if you're considering and you want more information about life uh, community groups, then I'm going to ask you to do the following, to go onto that, um, con- that link at the moment right now, and it's just gonna, you're going to fill in some information, submit it, and then we'll be in contact with you and help you to do that. You can do that right now. Or if you don't have a digital platform that you feel comfortable or don't want to use, we really prefer that you do that. It just helps our admin a bit. But if you feel like I, I, I don't understand these things and don't want to do it via digital platform or through a link, I want to do it on a piece of paper, then we've got these lovely purple shirted volunteers at the moment that are ready. And if so, if you want a form, just raise your hands and they're going to get a form and a pen to you quickly. And then you can do a sign up and join us in, in, and, and get some information about our community groups. So the first step is to please fill in a form like this so that we can get some information to you. And I promise you, we're not going to spam you. We're not going to hound you. We're not going to make your life difficult. We're not going to have 10 people arrive at your home all of a sudden or anything like that. All we're going to do is if you give us your information, we're going to contact you because then you're saying, I would like some more information. And we'll give you the information and whatever you need. If you need a follow-up call for anything, we'll call, call you again. If you don't, then that's it. Then it's in your court because community is about you stepping into spaces and, allow, and seeking to build community. You can do the link as we showed it on the screen. You can also go on our website and on the front page of the website, you will find that link and you can go onto the form. You can do it via the, the form as we have it, the hard copy also if you want to. Then as we're going to end the service shortly, I'm going to invite you, if you want to get some more information, just talk with people, then come to speak to anyone at any of the tables. Perhaps as you see the banner, the one that feels to you like it's the one that you would really like to make use of and that's the kind of group that you would be interested in, then go to that table and the volunteers will help you and be with you. And listen, I know there are many excuses why we don't go to community groups. We've heard them all. Try us. And that's why we've designed and worked with our groups to try and overcome all of those excuses. And so if you don't want to be at a community group, please don't come to one because you're going to make it miserable for everybody else. You know, but it's a great thing for you and we just want to invite you and say, please, Step into community. But like I say, this is a key way. This is our, probably our most important way. But if you want to try other ways to get involved in community, you, you know, sign up for volunteering, be part of an outreach team. There's many different ways. You can just contact us and we will help you with that. That's all a very big mouthful. Can I ask you to stand with me? If you want to still be filling in a form or doing it on the digital platform, Please do so before you leave, but I do want us to just end with a word of prayer. 
I want to go back to where I started and this fantastic good news that God knows you and you can know Him. Because He knows us, we can know Him. And there's nothing in your life that will frighten Him away or chase Him away. He wants to love you. He loves you and He wants to transform your life and change the brokenness, change the difficulties, the fear, the loneliness, the anxiety, the shame, and transform that into the confidence of knowing that He loves you and that He's got such good purposes for you. So I'm going to pray as we end the service, and then I'm also going to invite you, if you want prayer this morning, if something of what has been shared in the service just resonates with your heart other than going to any of the stations to talk to people about community groups. But if you just feel like, I need somebody to pray with me, please, it's our great privilege to pray with you. It's possible that you're here and you've never made a decision to let God know you, to open your life to Him. He knows you, but you are trying your best to keep Him at bay, to not yield to Him. Won't you come to the front and just tell the person that you're going to pray for, that's going to pray for you, just to tell them, I want to give my life to Jesus. Use that sentence because then they know how to help you. Say, I want to give my life to Jesus, and they'll help you. But let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this amazing community. Thank you for my privilege personally to have grown up in this community and have received so much of the knowledge of who you are and of your great love and to be known in this community. I, I thank you for that. Lord, I, th I thank you for every person, whether they're just here this morning visiting with us and perhaps they may never come here again, whether they are trying to figure out if this is a community they should belong to and trying to find their way in or whether they're a person that's been long-standing member and active in this community. I pray for each, all of us, Lord, that in this season, in this time, we will allow your love to hit the spot in our lives. That we will more and more yield to your great love. So that we, our lives can be revolutionized. And that from a people that knows you and is known by you, we can see this world transformed. Our hope, our joy is you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being in our midst this morning, for your presence among us. We love you and we want to love you even more in our practice in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a cup, please remember to go to the Connect Lounge behind the screens. If you want to talk to somebody about the community groups, go to the tables. If you want prayer, please come to the front. Some of the pastors, elders, leaders will be here to pray with you. May the Lord bless you.